Welcome to the Newsmakers Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this is a show where we go behind the headlines every day to bring you an interview with a pastor, entertainer, politician, or other notable news figure. And this is a show, again, it's daily, but it's based on our weekly TV show, which is also called Newsmakers. You can watch it on the CBN News Channel and also on our YouTube page. And on this show, every day, we dive deep. It's a little more longer form with one of the people who you will often see on our Newsmakers show or across the CBN News platforms. On today's show, we have an interview with a Christian college professor from the UK who claims he was fired after defending biblical truth around marriage. He's now suing in an effort to help others avoid the same circumstance. Here is his story. Dr. Edwards, you are in the middle of a legal battle against a Bible college in the UK, and there's a lot to unpack here, but it all started with a tweet that you wrote now it's called X, it used to be Twitter, on human sexuality. Can you first tell us what, what was in this tweet that sparked so much? Yeah, so I, I, so the tweet was, homosexuality is invading the church. Evangelicals no longer see the severity of this because they're busy apologizing for their apparently barbaric homophobia, whether or not it's true. This is a gospel issue, by the way, for if sinners no longer sin, we no longer need a savior. So from my point of view, I was making a, a point about kind of evangelical cowardice at not standing up to what's quite obviously happening, a secular incursion and invasion into the church um, doctrinally on the basis of, um, we say, we only, we only go, go to war on gospel issues. So if you go and have a go at who Jesus is, if you say that Jesus you know, isn't fully God or something, or if you say, denounce the Trinity, then we'll go to war and we'll fight you um, or we'll defend that doctrine. But, you know, sexuality, maybe maybe it's not such a big, big deal. Maybe actually... Um, God, God doesn't care that much, or even if people say that he does care, I'm not going to lose my political capital to do that. They're going to call me homophobic if I do. It's like, if you are homophobic, then yeah, go and, go and repent and apologize. At, at, you know, hate, being hateful or irrationally hate, hate, hating some other uh, group, that um, regardless of who they are, uh, or perhaps because of who they are, that, that's something to apologize for, but not because you feel like you ought to. And so that was the point of my tweet. And I realized it needed to be said strongly because I think the passivity that had crept in, we just got we, we, more and more in retreat every single year. The statements coming out from leaders and organizations and preachers, preachers hardly ever preached on this thing um, anymore. I, I preached on it at the college that I, I was working for uh, three or four years ago in the chapel and the, and the sermon was taken down off the website, even though it wasn't saying anything that was contrary to evangelical doctrine and even though a lot of the students would have agreed with me and I had many people come up to me afterwards visiting people at the chapel that day and say I haven't heard a preacher preach on this for about 10 years and wow. that's interesting and so just, it's just you know people not saying oh we, we're not saying we, we now agree with LGBT we're just not mentioning it we're not talking about how well this is the time to mention it because this is where it's happening so yeah well, in your tweet, it, it doesn't attack a person. It doesn't go after anybody. It's talking about a doctrinal issue of faith, one, as you have just astutely noted, should be discussed and talked about like any other issue. And so that's what you tweeted. That's what you put out there. What? And by the way, before I even ask this next question, you mentioned you preached at the college. Just so people understand, what, what was your position at the college? What were you teaching? I was the lecturer in theology, preaching, and mission. So one of the things I so I ran over oversaw the master's program in mission, and in which I taught modules on preaching. And I taught the preaching all the preaching modules at the college. I taught 
But after I preached that sermon, I wasn't asked to preach at the chapel for another, I think, two years. Um, so I think they might say, oh, that's right. just coincidental. I mean, I would say I don't think so. Um, but but your so job was to teach, your job was to teach young people and others how to preach. And so that I, mm. it's important we note that because yeah, when right. we're talking, when we're talking about preaching, we're talking about sticking to the word of God, sticking to the truth. Absolutely. And so that's an, an essential detail in the midst uh, of this conversation. Now you put this tweet out there. What immediately happened after you sent the tweet in terms of reaction on yeah. campus, off of campus? So it was all on Twitter. All the reaction was on Twitter. Um, so I went, I think I responded to a couple of people early in the morning. It came out at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It was a scheduled tweet. So I'd written it a, month, a week or so earlier. I think I edited it. See, coming out, though, I'm, I'm just to make sure it's what I wanted to say. It is what I wanted to say. It was in the midst of the, the Church of England debates about blessing same-sex um, relationships and marriages, but just it's a classic Church of England thing to do to pretend we're not going to go for gay marriage, but we're going to like bless it uh, in some ways. It's completely ludicrous. Um, and so I realized I needed to speak strongly, had that coming out on the Sunday, and then it got jumped on by lots of pro-LGBT advocates, not just you know Christian ones uh, with a Methodism, which is the college was affiliated with British Methodism, which had voted on gay marriage the year earlier, but also just secular gay people who imagine if you see that, if you're a gay person who's not a Christian, you just see homosexuality is invading the church. They kind of read it almost like homosexuals are invading society. We want to get rid of you all and throw you into the lake of fire or something. So completely you know, read it in bad faith. It's quite obviously a theological in-house discussion. Um, and it was read not as that, um, and so that by the time I got back from church in the afternoon, I think it'd been viewed <clears throat> 25,000 times or 25,000 views it had and loads of people swarming around it going wow. crazy. So I was a bit surprised by that. So then I quickly did a few quote tweets and said, okay, here, let me respond to some of the things. Here's why I don't think it's homophobic. I didn't attack individuals. I wasn't defaming anyone. Um, it didn't really matter. Like I think that the way that this, this tsunami is uh is working in in culture at changing people's worldview without them even really rationalizing it i don't think even rational explanations make a huge difference i think often i think of when jesus speaks of those who have ears to hear i think even jesus knew when he was preaching they're just our people even you've got jesus you think how how persuasive surely the son of god is going to be the most <laughs> persuasive voice you could imagine and yet he was aware that there are people who don't have ears to hear they do not want to hear the truth and I think that's the reality. So I did, I did it for the sake of wanting to be persuasive and reasonable. I think we have a duty to do that. I knew, I knew that people. Every time I respond to one accusation, I'm going to get ten more come on me. That's just the nature of it. So I think it's still right to put it out there for posterity and say, look, I tried, <laughs> tried to be reasonable, um, but it was it, in the end, it's, it was going to happen. What's going to happen? And what basically happened is, by the time I think by 11 a.m., I was again unaware of this. The, the college had. I don't even have a smartphone, so I don't know this is happening. I, I go on Twitter when I go on my laptop. So this is all going mad. This college by around 11 or 12, I think, had tweeted that they thought this, the tweet was un unacceptable, inappropriate. It doesn't reflect the views or ethos of, of Cliff College. And I thought that was really surprising because there's loads of people that, that it would reflect the views and ethos of what they think. They might not have used the word invading, but I would just even challenge those people to say, if you, if you agree with me technically, but you wouldn't use the word invading, do you, do you not think it's an invasion? Like, what do you think it is? What do you think is happening? Like, what, what is actually right. happening? Why, why do we suddenly, all of a sudden, think that this is okay? Like, no one ever thought this not in the history of the church until the 20th century. Not even the liberal scholars of the 19th century who were tearing the Bible 
apart, piece by piece. Not even they had the gall to say that the Bible is pro-same-sex marriage. It didn't even come into their head that that was a possible option to interpret. So it's quite obviously a secular thing that's happened that's come into the church. Um, so anyway, those you know that that was kind of happening. This college denounced me. It put me in a position where I couldn't really. It was hard to then back down, especially because they'd come against me without speaking to me. Um, I so you had got, no conversation with them. You had no, no conversation with them before because this happened so quickly. Before yeah, exactly, they yeah. they denounced this in a, in a yeah. tweet. What they what they did do is they emailed my work account. I mean, they could have called me. I've been called before in in random situations out of hours. So I didn't get a call. I got an email to my work account at probably around the time they did the tweet. And I came in, so that's probably how they were covering their backs. But they wanted to respond quickly. Like without That's how institutions often work. We need to respond quickly to the to the crisis um, because all of these Methodists who are purse-string holders for the college are jumping on. Big, big players are jumping on this and, and getting involved. And so they felt the need to... You have to act quickly. That's how a social media works. You must respond fast in, in, as the mob has chosen the timing. You don't get to choose the timing. So, well, <laughs> let's reflect on this. No, the mob has said you have to respond now. So that's what they did. And I came into work the next day, checked my email. I saw an email from the day before. We've seen this has come on on social media. People have responded to it in this, these ways. We'd like you to take it down as a first port of call and then have a conversation with you. I said, more than happy to have a conversation. I hope you understand I can't take that down in good conscience. Um, I've actually been the one who's been harassed. So if you think that my tweet caused people harm, think about the stress that I've been under. Everyone calling me a hateful, horrible person as a result. Um, so I can't do that in good conscience. So let's have a conversation and I'm happy to talk about it with you. Um, I then got the email. So yes, come to a meeting at four o'clock in the afternoon. At that meeting, the first line that I was told from the principal was, this is not going to be a conversation. I was like, okay, I thought I thought we were going to have a conversation, but we're apparently we're not having a conversation. He said, what I'm going to do now is to redo your suspension letter. So I didn't have a conversation at any point. I just read the suspension. So from tweet to that email, uh, not really an exchange, just me responding saying, I can't take down the tweet. Let's talk about it. I got suspended for two weeks. No contact with staff or students allowed. And then was given my investigation letter, the report that was done on me during that time, about two weeks later, and then fired the week after that. So it all happened did, very, very fast. It was very did strange. They, how long had you been teaching there? Uh, seven years. So it was in my seventh year, basically. Yeah, I started in did 2016. They, did they say there was, did they try to say there was some other issue? Did they try to, you know, add other things into it for why they were letting you go? No, there was no, there was no, so in the, in the process of disciplinary, it wasn't like, well, you've done this and this and this, and there's this strike and you, you know, your three strikes now, there's nothing like that. I <clears throat> clearly I'd had disagreements with some of them before on some of these issues, but I'd raised them, I think quite respectfully and said, look, this is the issues I think for the college that ironically I'd been saying for years that if we align ourselves with Methodism on, on the gay marriage and don't make any kind of attempt to make a statement that's slightly different that says, if a gay person comes here, we're not going to like hound them out and say they're terrible people. I would, I, mean, I had many gay students in my classroom um, who would even put in, in, in their unit evaluation feedback sometimes, you know, I disagree with Aaron on his views on this, but I was never made to feel I couldn't share a, a different opinion. Well, suddenly those people started coming, well, many people started writing letters and say, well, I would now feel very harmed if I was in Aaron's classroom. And I kind of think, well, that's just really funny because you never told me that. We've talked about these issues. You know my views. You know that's not really true. But again, jumping on the back of it. So I think clearly they would, the college, maybe the college wanted to get rid of me. Um, but 
they didn't do so through the proper channels. So that I didn't have like an official disciplinary record where they'd said, look, we've told you this and we've given you a formal written warning of this or that. I'd never had that. Or at least they never told me that had happened. So, and it didn't come up in the disciplinary. So they didn't, the whole thing was around the effect of the tweet. That's the entire reason I was fired. But they said, you didn't take down the tweet. That was my, my act of kind of aggression, as it were, refusing to take it down. But I said, by the time that that had all happened, even if I'd wanted to take it down, which I don't think I would, you had put me in a position that is really unfair um, to say that I had to do that. And I think I couldn't do that based on what I'd said. Me saying what I said was hard enough anyway, is what yeah. I then, the flack I got. So then to have to take it down because you're going to fire me if I don't is outrageous, I think. Well, what, so, so let's talk about, obviously you're terminated. I imagine that was shocking. How has this affected your life? I know that's a loaded question, but, but I, I'm sure personally, professionally, take us through the effects this has had on you. Yeah, I, I think it's been a, a very stressful time, obviously. So that, though I stand by my language and though I stand, I wouldn't regret anything that I've said or anything that's happened. And I, although I try to cultivate, um, an attitude and a posture that cares more about what God thinks than what people think um it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you when people especially those you care about and know well think ill of you as has happened so i have lost friends i have people just not being in contact with me that would normally be even some family members just don't understand and you're never going to be able to persuade them and that's really hard um i've had cardiac symptoms of stress related to a lot of that which kind of especially during the time of the, of the suspension and, and dismissal but then even occasionally since then that it can sometimes return it's not easy, um, though, like I say, it's kind of the cross to bear um, for when you stand up for truth and you get um, you, you get these kind of effects that happen. I mean, I used to tell my students in in uh, the preaching class, I used to teach the undergraduate students that, you know, often talk about Jeremiah's example, that when you have something that you need to say that God's calling you to say, it is like a fire shut up in your bones, as Jeremiah says, and you're weary with holding it in. Um, and you can't you can't really hold it in. You need to speak it out. Um, even though you know that when you do, you're going to have uh, people say bad things about you or do bad things to you. And so that's been really, really hard. And um, I think knowing that you're probably seen as um, a bad egg um, by other academic institutions is not easy because kind of that sense of your career being up in smoke, uh, that kind of thing, that even those places that might agree with you in your stance, they might not agree with the way you've gone about it. So they, you know, Maybe you're just a troublemaker, someone who's going to cause ill repute for the college, um, which just affects your whole life, your whole career, everything you've worked towards and planned towards. Um, that's why for me, it's been clearer that I need to plan towards something very different going forward, where I'm thinking more about how can we reform theological education and help reform the church so that actually we are freer to speak what the Bible says without being embarrassed about it. So the phrase that I've kind of been milling around for a while has been to be shamelessly biblical, not just apologetically biblical, but shamelessly biblical, not to apologize for God's word, even if it may challenge us, all of us, even those those of us who claim to hold it strongly, um, we need to be shameless about it and not, and not constantly be embarrassed about it before the world. Um, and I think that's how Christianity got to places like the US, <laughs> um, because we had people who were so willing to live on their can live out the convictions and speak out the convictions that when people opposed them, they didn't shrink back. They actually were galvanized to say, no, I really believe this and this is good for you. And I know you're going to hate me for this, but I'm going to keep saying it. And that's how Christianity spread actually around the world because people were relentlessly committed to the truth. And I think we've lost that relentless commitment to the truth. We've been passive and we've been 
shirking back and we've been weak-minded and, and we need to we need to kind of recover that confidence in the gospel and in the word of god in our time so, so though i've been through the mill myself i actually also feel that i've been strengthened by god in ways um to help others and i had so many christians thousands of christians around the world contact me to say thank you so much that's encouraged me to take another step whatever that might mean in speaking out on this or that issue where i couldn't previously and that for me is really encouraging off the back of the very tumultuous time we've had for myself and my family. Well, yeah, and, and you have kids, you have you know a family. This is not an easy thing. Losing your income and the career that you spent a decade building, I would imagine there are difficulties in the midst of this that, you know, financial, you mentioned the stress that I really want to emphasize standing by your, you know, your your values that's what you've done here it's really easy to say fine i'll delete the tweet fine i you know i'll apologize i'll do these things that i don't really believe i should do that's the sure. easier path the harder path is the path that you have taken here and you know i just i want to ask because now you are challenging this you're taking action sure. um of wrongful dismissal a number of other issues against the college talk a little bit about that what are you hoping to gain from that yeah, and the, the prim primary reason is actually to raise awareness of the issue and to and for the sake of justice, public justice. Uh, and in the UK, it's just horrendous how many how many times this kind of thing happens. But my case is quite unique. I don't think this has happened before, um, where there's been a Christian against a Christian organisation and uh, to this kind of level, this kind of high profile. Because we're used to hearing Christians cancelled because they work for a school or they work for a government organisation or. Yeah, a bakery or whatever um and actually now we're seeing it's not even a full frontal contact with the world it's like when the world has gone into the church and into a denomination or into a christian institution that you're facing the world from your own people as it were from your brothers and should be your brothers and sisters in christ so i have had people challenge me and say oh, you shouldn't really be taking it's you know paul in, in 1 corinthians 6 a brother should not take a brother to court and so I've had to kind of defend that in various fora as well to say, well, actually, it's a, an individual against an institution. It's very different to what Paul's speaking about, but also Paul's speaking about trivial matters that we should be able to, we don't need to haul before uh, the world's courts and we should be able to deal with in-house. He's not talking about very serious issues. Um, and I think this is a very serious issue that not only affects me. So in many ways, it's not, and we're certainly not doing it for the money. I, I We had, by God's grace, people have donated and helped us in loads of ways. So um we're not primarily doing it for that, but of course there will, there is finance involved in that, and um, I've been so well supported though by the Christian Concern Christian Legal Centre in the UK, which have been doing a wonderful work, and they um, they regularly have to fight these kind of cases, and they and they make they make things happen, which is really exciting to see that actually they they defend people, GPs who pray for their patients and get fired, they can get them reinstated and that kind of thing, and it helps push case law further on. So I was convinced very early on when I wasn't quite sure this was the right path to take. I was umming and ahhing, and then I realized, actually, this is an issue of justice. And if I don't do this, this is some some other Christian or 10 other Christians are going to be in the similar position. And other academics especially are probably watching this case going, right, what's going to happen here? Like, is this going to help me to speak out um, or is it going to make me shirk back and not say anything? And I think that's the the real motivation for me, the thing that actually excites me about the case is even if I lose, um, I think it will raise awareness of the problem. And so I think people go, this is outrageous. What on earth, how on earth is this possible? Because I think it is, it is a thing that when people see the story, they see this just seems ridiculous. How It's not even like I'm in a liberal college, officially speaking, when I think they are really kind of in, in a kind of Trojanic way. 
Um, but it's an evangelical college firing an evangelical for saying evangelical things. I mean, how can that be possible? Um, so we've really gone into new territory here. So I do hope that it establishes a kind of precedent which may help other Christians going forward. Well, and, and you speaking up, I mean, the reason, going back to what you said at the beginning of the interview, the reason that people don't speak up and they shrink back and they hide is because of what has happened to you. And so you being able to say, like, this this is an example, but to say, you know, I'm going to stand up, I'm going to set a different example of what you do, which is to stand sure. your ground, speak the truth, love God, love others, but do it in truth. And I think that is the what you were saying before, that is an essential thing for all Christians to be doing right now. Again, the easy Absolutely. path is to uh, to allow yourself to do whatever it takes to not get canceled. But um, here we are with this case. I know you'll be heading to court um, next year, 2024. We'll continue mm-hmm. to monitor this. Really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's all for today's Newsmakers podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of the show and also head over to the CBN News YouTube channel and the CBN News channel to watch Newsmakers every week. We'll see you soon.